This week on the show, we go from zero to Beehive on FreeBSD, analyze OpenBSD kernel a bit with domain-specific knowledge. The OpenBSD website is what we browse through, number 10 there. HardenBSD's June 2022 status report. We have two new C compilers in OpenBSD ported, Chibik and Kefir, SSD trim support in NetBSD's head, and more in this week's episode of BSD Now. BSD Now, episode 464, Compiling with Kefir, recorded on the 13th of July, 2022. This episode of BSD Now is brought to you by Tarsnap. Go to tarsnap.com slash bsdnow to find the online backup for truly paranoid people. And if you want to support this show or remove the ads, then check out our Patreon page on patreon.com slash bsdnow with a couple people who have already joined and thanks for those who already did. Hello, I'm your host, Benedict Kreuschling. And I'm Alan Jude. We are in summertime and we're bringing you just as hot headlines as always. And this one is another cool article. You, know, you see the twist here, hot stuff and cool articles from zero to Beehive on FreeBSD 13.1. Yeah, so over on Clara's website, we have our latest article, which is basically going from absolutely nothing to Beehive. It uh, doesn't assume you know anything about uh, Beehive at all. So it starts off with, basic install of FreeBSD uh, and then installing the packages required to, to get going and talks a little bit about using uh, VM Beehive as the manager to make creating VMs a little easier, uh, but provides uh, a nice modern template for it uh, and shows how to get running uh, with Windows, Linux, and FreeBSD guests on uh, Beehive using EFI and having the graphical console with VNC and bridging your network and all of the various bits that you need to do. And it's all covered in the article. Oh, yeah. And uh, when I see the, the author, Jim Salter, that reminds me that you did a webcast thingy of sorts, webinar, webinar recently. Yes. Uh, so Jim and I did a webinar based on this article. Um, that we just recorded that on July 12th. So it should be up on the website for people to view in about a week from when we're recording this episode, which will be about when this episode comes out. So. Oh, early enough. Okay. Oh, I just found a typo there. <laughs> Whoops. If you check infrastructure, the R and the C is, uh, well, well, that will be fixed by the time you read this or you listen to that. Anyway, it's a good article. You have good instructions there and you should be able to run your own beehive and collect the honey of sorts from the hives in there in no time. Then next up, we have a bit of an analytical article here about analyzing OpenBSD's kernel with domain-specific knowledge. So that's interesting. And so Christian Ludwig writes here, uh, in this article, I want to show how we can analyze the OpenBSD kernel with domain-specific knowledge of SPL, the locking primitives to find programming errors. That's always good to have in case you have any errors in there. Uh, this work is sponsored by the Genoa GmbH, that's a German company, and they use OpenBSD as a basis of many of their products. They allow developers to have a retreat uh, twice a year for one week to hack on their own projects. This work is a result of that. And here's the background. So the OpenBSD kernel is written in a C programming language. The, that means programmers have to take care of resource usage all by themselves. 
For example, if you take a lock in one function, it has to be released in all conditions where the function returns. The C compiler already inspects the code, so why not make it aware of locking primitives? That way, it can emit a warning when a lock has been taken by a function, but has not been released at any of one function return. So there's a function example there, they have a function, it locks something, they, does, they do some work there, and then they unlock. So that's the proper way of doing it. Now imagine that we need to check a precondition first before performing the work. So it's an, first you lock, then you check something. If it's a Wednesday, maybe, uh, then you exit the function without return uh, without unlocking. Or if it's not a Wednesday, uh, just use that example because it is today. Uh, if it's not a Wednesday, then you do some other work and then you unlock. That would be the one path that does the unlock, but the other path doesn't. You can see that we miss an unlock operation when the precondition is not met. That's here the example. Uh, it might be obvious in the example above, but when you have a large and complicated block, like if, then, else, and else, if, if, else, uh, something, then again, yet all of these different paths can lead to a way that doesn't unlock properly anymore. A missing unlock operation might be not visible right away. Here's the idea then. OpenSD uses the LLVM clang uh, or, or CLang for some uh, for some time now. This compiler suite allows the use of plugins to extend the compiler and make it learn new tricks. You can use this mechanism to make the compiler aware of the locking primitives used on the OpenSD kernel specifically. The easiest lock to analyze is SPL. That's the spin lock, right? Probably, yeah. So there is only a lock and an unlock operation on a single global lock. That means we do not need to distinguish between different lock objects. Also, there is no try to lock operation, which would make analysis more complicated. So they start out by checking SPL. And as a rudimentary first step, they only need to count the number of lock operations and the number of unlock operations in any conditional branch of all functions. So if you open five locks, then you also should return or close five locks as well. If you miss one, then you have one that is not uh, properly unlocked anymore. Uh, if they are the same, lock operations are evenly balanced and there is no locking error. Okay, so wait, that's a pretty naive view of the world they write. In reality, code is much more complex, but let's see how far it gets them. Implementation notes. Here, LLVM and Clang support writing plugins in C++. There are also bindings to other languages, most notably is Python. OpenSD's base version of Clang even seems to support plugins. There are also examples imported from upstream LLVM. However, documentation on how to write a plugin is rather sparse. And they do note, uh, or they do not expect OpenBS to ever ship language bindings. Yeah, probably. So there is a Python module that implements a C language parser, which can be used to parse C source files into an abstract syntax tree called AST for inspections. Compiler people, they understand all these uh, things, uh, syntax trees. And so it's uh, called PyC parser. And uh, the description reads, is a complete parser, the PyC parser is a complete parser of the C language written in pure Python using the PLY parsing library. It parses C code into an AST and then serves as a front end for the C compilers or analysis tools. Okay, uh, going a bit further down, lock balancing checker. The PyC parse ext library cannot handle plain source files directly. It would need to know about include paths and preprocessor defines to properly build an AST. Therefore, a patch to the OpenBSD source tree exists that changes config and the kernel make file for AMD64, that is, to emit preprocessed source files. These files are self-contained. There are no external dependencies. They can be fed to LBC for analysis. 
and there's a bit more uh, instructions how the AST works and that tree is walked. I want to get a little bit further into the actual uh, results here. Ah, here it is, a bit of uh, limitations and optimizations first, because this is not perfect or uh, otherwise it would have been done already. Uh, given the humble assumptions we started out with, the lock balancing checker is far from perfect. And there are a lot of false positives. For example, all wrapper functions around SPL get flagged. These include mutex enter try and mutex enter leave, which are used for another class of locks and rely on SPL. So these are kind of uh, stacked upon each other. That means LPC has found a branch where it visits a return statement in mutex enter try, where the SPL was raised but not lowered again. The count is positive. Conversely, in MTX leave, the function finishes with the SPL lock unlocked. One too many. Well, the count there is negative. That is a sign that these functions are used as wrappers. It is obvious that mutex functions are wrappers and other functions uh, less obvious, or at least for them, like sleep setup and sleep finish. Mm -hmm. uh, where are the conclusions here? Um, unfortunately, they did not manage to write an LVM Clank plugin as outlined in the beginning. If we could manage to do that and hook it into the kernel build, it would give more confidence in the code. Okay, that will also mean to get rid of the false positives first. But that remains an exercise for the reader. Okay. Uh, they have shown that the static analysis of the OpenBSD kernel with domain-specific knowledge yields in bugs being found. A tool exists that maybe even can be extended to different types of locks. The MP lock, multiprocessor lock, comes to mind with a similar API interface. And thanks to Genoa for allowing them to hack on such a cool project during working hours, which benefits their products and the OpenBSD community alike. Yeah, it's interesting. You know, in their results, they talk about the bugs they found in the IGC and URTWN drivers. Uh, you know, one of those was not uh, the IGC driver had a, a missing return statement that could lead to the lock being unlocked twice. Uh, that doesn't actually break anything, but it's a semantic error and it could lead to other problems as well. And then they were able to detect that and get it fixed. Yeah. Cool. If these tools help find bugs, even more uh, could be used and the better it is for everyone. Yep. So next up, we have the OpenBSD webzine uh, or issue number 10. Uh, so they talked about some speed ups for their package underscore add tool. Uh, so you can now upgrade your packages more quickly. Uh, IP forwarding is now parallelized. It's not serialized to a single CPU and, uh, adding many new packages, uh, adding a bunch of links for you to read and don't forget to upgrade your 7.1 system using syspatch and packages. Uh, so talking about some of the recent changes in OpenBSD current, the new RC exec variable, uh, used to start daemons with rc.d has been replaced with the more complete rc underscore exec function. Handcrafted rc.d scripts uh, must be modified to use this function, uh, and they even have a little said wrapper on how to do it. Uh, they've got a huge speed up uh, done to package underscore add for when you're upgrading packages. Instead of downloading the first bits of each package to check for updates, it uses a local cache embedded in the quirks package, uh, making it much quicker to see if there are new packages. They also made IP forwarding faster using multiple CPUs. As uh, they mentioned there, they have a link to the commit where you can see that uh, they've activated parallel IP forwarding. Uh, currently, they start four softnet task queues, uh, limit the usage to the number of CPUs. Uh -huh. uh, and then they've also uh, improved some battery life uh, for certain workloads. Uh, 
so make the CPU frequency scaling duration relative to the amount of load. Uh, in the pre-change behavior, if the CPU frequency is raised, it will stay up for five cycles of minimum, with one cycle being run every 100 milliseconds. So it would be about half a second. Uh, with this change, the time to keep the frequency raised is incremented at each cycle by up to five. This means short load bursts will trigger, uh, you know, triggering the frequency increase will last less uh, than the current minimum. But as, you know, if your load is staying up, it'll keep the CPU faster or longer. Uh, this only affects the automatic mode when on battery, uh, extending the battery life for most interactive use scenarios in idling loads. So allowing the CPU to scale back down if uh, you're done using it uh, rather than wasting battery. Mm -hmm. Cool. They've also added a new flag to the grep command. Uh, grep dash dash null uh, makes grep print an ASCII null byte after the file name uh, to make the output unambiguous even in the presence of file names with funky characters. Uh, a previous iteration of this diff was uh, approved and then it got rewritten a bit uh, before it got committed. And then xlock, uh, which I think is the kind of screen savery thing, uh, has got privilege separation on OpenBSD now. Mm. More locking. <laughs> yeah, uh, so they have a whole list of new packages getting added, a new uh, terminal email client called AERC, a bunch of clipboard stuff, uh, OBSD FreakD, a CPU frequency scale, uh, scheduler. Guacamole, uh, guacamole, I know this. Yeah, the remote desktop gateway, that can be really useful. Uh, SH AirPlay Sync is an AirPlay audio player. Uh, so if you want to connect with your Apple devices to play music or whatever. Uh, Vault Warden, an unofficial Bitwarden compatible uh, password sharing server. Uh, S Shuttle, which is a VPN over SSH. Bunch of other interesting stuff. FD, which is a fast uh, and user-friendly alternative to the find command, and QPDF view. Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. Yep. Uh, and then they're talking a bit about using syspatch. So if you're running 7.1 stable, there are five patches so far, uh, and then a bunch of packages that are also updated, including, you know, Apache and Asterix and uh, curl that you might want to get installed. And then they have some tips about using the shell, talking a bit about... Uh, to improve performance and reduce disk I.O. for some workloads, you could mount your slash TMP as a, a memory file system using mount MFS. And you can, uh, has an example of what that would look like in your FS tab and a bunch of other interesting examples. And then they have a big list of links for additional reading. And like if you want to read about OpenBSD on the framework laptop, uh, you know, people's experience using OpenBSD, how to contribute to OpenBSD, um, getting time machine like backups using OpenBSD uh, and so on. Mm -hmm. That's an interesting one. Uh, how I would sell OpenBSD as a salesperson. Oh, well, we did that last, uh, not the last year, last week. <laughs> ah, yeah, I wasn't here for that. So that's why I, I don't remember I, that one. I'm totally uh, in the selling business now. Yeah. <laughs> um, Luck would have it, I have an operating systems class. I've been invited to one. It's the last week of the semester, so you cannot uh, do much more content there. So they invited me to talk about the, the BSDs and I will give a well-known free BSD. It's not a Linux distro talk there to students. Uh, back to the website. <laughs> uh, we have a note from the editorial team at the bottom below the nice picture uh, from Celine. Uh, that uh, she mentions this issue is late again. It's hard to find a good publication rate fitting this with hobby work. 
originally she planned to publish every two weeks. This would allow her to gently rather, uh, rather gather links and material for a new sign. But at the same time, there are periods like before a new release during which nothing happens. On the other hand, when waiting long between publications without having a clear deadline, a lot of content needs to be covered and it accumulates in a huge pile, which is not necessarily fun to go through. However, while the website is late on schedule, it reached eight different languages. Not all the issues got translated into the eight languages, but it's been very comforting to meet all the people working on the translations. Thanks. Yeah, and if you want to help, then I guess uh, reaching out to the website is uh, the way to reach them and translate into more uh, languages or help in other ways. I guess they can also use uh, a helping hand there. All right, let's see what's next here. Uh, from OpenBSD, we go to HardenBSD because their June 2020 status report is on. And uh, as always, Sean Webb writes those and he has the summary here for us. Uh, June yep, saw. It says, yeah. So it says uh, June saw cool security enhancements for HardenBSD. Uh, so the first was HardenBSD's AMD64 kernel configs have been unified uh, and all it basically include HardenBSD core. Uh, so that each config is more common. Uh, they've also done some work on OpenSSH's SSH SK helper program, uh, was violating the uh, code flow integrity iCall scheme. Uh, so until they've dug into that more, uh, they've disabled the CFI iCall scheme uh, for that particular binary. Uh, users can now use that to integrate the FIDO2 or U2F key support into OpenSSH. And then their trusted path execution feature um from sec adm uh is now set up in base um uh, there are some differences which uh he will document on the wiki at some point uh the tve violations are now logged uh, one major thing left is to integrate with mmap when you uh add the execute protection flag and this will prevent a uh, pax no exec bypass by virtue of creating a file with an executable payload mapping it in memory and then executing it and then lastly, the real-time linker has been uh, significantly hardened. This was a uh, potential, uh, this has the potential to cause issues, especially when building ports and packages. The new sysctl node hardening.hardenedrtld can be used uh, to disable this feature if it turns out to be causing problems with your applications. Mm -hmm. And he notes that he plans to MFC all of that back to their uh, stable 13 branch soon. If you're building your own packages or ports, please take special note of a couple of the items uh, since they might impact your ability to build those packages. Uh, so some details on the hardening they did to the real-time linker. Uh, LD preload is now fully prohibited, so you just can't use it at all. Uh, Centering dangerous LD env, which isn't uh, used much in the RTLD, uh, but is also completely removed. Uh, or sorry, it's uh, set now so that it knows not to ingest any of that. Uh, any sensitive LD environment variables are now scrubbed. Uh, and then using the RTLD to execute applications is prohibited. And lastly, uh, tracing of loaded objects is now prohibited. This change in particular breaks uh, LDD, which is used by a lot of ports uh, during their build process to see where libraries are. Uh, this is what can cause uh, the most headache when trying to build packages. And so uh, in their copy of the ports tree, they've uh, opted out of a couple of different things. 
Um, safe stack and code flow integrity are disabled if the package name suffix ends with dash static. So statically compiled binaries won't run into problems there. Um, the PAX page exec feature is disabled for syslogng because it was causing trouble there. They've added a new port for PC sysinstall. Uh, SMB support has been added by default to their version of FFmpeg. And then they've disabled the PAX mprotect flag for wine, wine proton, Nheco, uh, Quarter Neon, and uh, the Node.js version 1.6. Uh -huh. And then finally, they say work is now officially underway to provide the Harden BSD community with a Harden BSD uh, 13 stable based fork of OpenSense. Uh, they're really close to providing a proof of concept build, likely by the end of this month, and will provide periodic, like monthly updates. If you'd like to follow along, they have a link to the repo. And finally, the old stable 12 package uh, building server will be used to perform periodic automated builds of the uh, Loic Live CD project, making it an official HardenBSD project. And it will also be used to build the HardenBSD OpenBSD or OpenSense builds. Mm -hmm. Very nice. Okay. Uh, we have also found that. Uh... Brian Robert Callahan has been busy porting new compilers to OpenBSD. So here's the latest batch, if you will, uh, Chip BCC and Kefir. So these two, and on his blog, he describes what they do and how the porting process went. Uh, in his newer, <laughs> in his never ending quest to have OKSH support every C compiler in existence, he has ported two more C compilers to OpenBSD. They are Chibic, so that's C-I-B-I-C-C, -C, and Kefir, K-E-F-I-R. As always, let's review them, and at the end, they, he provides links to unofficial ports so that you can play around with these C compilers. So you may ask, why do we need yet another C compiler? But I guess these are uh, other questions we're not answering yet. So Cibic is a small C11 compiler written by the person who is the original creator of the current LLVM LLD linker, it turns out. As an OpenBSD developer, Rui's work is extremely appreciated, as LLD is the system linker on OpenBSD these days. Unfortunately for him, Chipic was developed on Linux and only tested there. So Brian is immediately wandering into unknown territory. With that said, he would not be very surprised in the, or if the port is relatively straightforward as Chipic compiles C to assembly and then calls GNUAS to assemble the output into machine code. All the modern Unixes that he does know of and use these days follow the System 5 ABI. So he can be relatively certain that if the assembly code Shibik generates works on Linux, it'll work on OpenBSD and all the other BSDs. It should be mentioned that only supports that, that only supports AMD64, so its utility as a multi-architecture compiler is nil. But its uh, utility as a compiler to learn about compilers is high since the purpose of Chibik is to be the focus of a compiler textbook. Ah, here we go. Yeah, it makes sense to support uh, the, these compilers that even if they're only a toy, they're meant for learning and learning is something we want people to do. And if we can get people to learn on the BSDs, that's generally how you get them to become BSD users. Exactly. And if they jump to the real thing, like LLVM, they will see, ah, I've seen a similar function like that before. I mm -hmm. can probably get, wrap my head around that easier. Uh, building Chibik was very straightforward. In fact, it compiles pretty much as is out of the box. That's not to say it worked out of the box, however. 
At first, Chibik would cause the assembler to complain. Turns out Chibik uses the dash C flag with AS, which enables the dwarf debug section compression. The old AS in the OpenBSD based system does not understand that flag. Using the newer GAS would, uh, from ports does understand that flag, but it seems that LLD does not know what to do with the compressed sections. Uh, he doesn't know if that's an LD issue or an OpenBSD issue, but dwarf compressed sections probably are not that big of a deal for his purposes, so he just removed that flag from the assembler invocation. Then he continued to use GAS since Chipic uses issues instructions that the old AS does not understand. Then he needed to turn his attention to the linker invocation as Chipic assumes you're on the author's Linux team. Adopting the linker invocation to OpenBSD is pretty straightforward. You can just look at the verbose linker invocation from the inbase CLang and copy the flags over. Then for the tests, they assume GNU bash and GNU grab. So we just adopted the tests to call them correctly. No need to try to translate bash to POSIX, SH, and GNU grab to BSD grab. If you're interested in what that looks like, there's an extra commit that he links from his blog to see the whole port. Now running Chipic. There was one last thing missing from complete support for Chipic, the GNU extended assembly. OpenBSD uses this in a header and when Chipic sees the extended assembly, it has no idea what to do and gives up. This problem does not solely affect Chipic, it also affects other small C compilers like the CPROC. The solution is fairly easy. We simply have to fix up this header for Chipic, not too dissimilar to what GCC does for itself. We have Chipic look at custom directory for headers and before checking the system directories, and in that custom directory will be a rewritten header file with the extended assembly removed. We can do this because OpenBSD has C fallback functions for all the functions written in extended assembly, and so Chibik will simply use those functions when needed. And this is seen in the install routine he added to the Chibik make file. It does a simple delete using Z and puts the fixed up header in the custom directory. Yeah, sometimes it's that easy. The original header <laughs> does not get changed, so this is not totally non-destructive for the system. With this, Chipic works on OpenBSD. But uh, for some reason, the exit command does not work in a Chipic build OKSH. If you issue control D, you get a sec fault. He's not sure why this is, but someone else may <laughs> have time. <laughs> yeah, so moving on to Kafir. Kafir is an independent C17 compiler, so pretty modern. Uh, you know, the 2017 standard is still pretty new. Uh, like Chivik, it targets AMD64 only. Also, like Chivik, Kafir outputs assembly, but unlike Chivik, Kafir claims to be supported on FreeBSD, uh, so this might not be such uncharted territory. Kafir also says, uh, in all bold letters in its readme, Use is strongly discouraged. This is an experimental project which is not meant for production purposes. That was all the encouragement that I needed. <laughs> so building Kafir uh, did not uh, build out of the box in OpenBSD. The main issue was that Kafir uses a number of multi-byte uh, to UTF-8, UTF-16, and UTF-32 uh, conversion routines, not all of which are actually available on OpenBSD. For those that were not in OpenBSD's libc, I found a highly portable C version in uh, Musil's libc and use those. Uh, it seems that Kafir may also produce assembly that uh, old versions of AS, the assembler, doesn't understand, uh, so a newer GAS is recommended as well. Kafir also requires you to build a runtime library, uh, but unlike compiler RT for Clang or libgcc for GCC, uh, the build system does not do this for you. You need to do it for yourself. You also need to install it yourself. Uh, I took care uh, of all of this in the port, uh, so there's a libkafirrt.a library, 
I had to come up with a name. I'm not very original. I actually got it from the uh, reserved uh, prefix for its functions. Uh, so installing Kefir, uh, like Chibik, Kefir also does not understand the GNU uh, extended assembly. Uh, so the same trick with uh, Chibik had to be deployed. Additionally, Kefir does not understand things like underscore underscore aligned uh, or align of long long etc. Which the standard def.h header uses, so I had to fix up that header a bit too. Now, actually using Kefir, unlike Chibik, uh, and indeed like every C compiler I've used at this point, Kefir does not feature a complete compiler driver. Uh, what that means is that Kefir only does the compilation of C to assembly. It's up to you to pass that output to the assembler and then on to the linker. All other C compilers do all this for you in one step. Uh, that means that when it comes to building OKSH, uh, we can't run the configure script using Kefir. We have to call a configure with some other C compiler, and then we can't even uh, use the make file either. Um, so here's a quick shell script that will build OKSH using Kefir once you've run configure with your normal C compiler, because uh, it basically has to uh, manually run Kefir on all the C files and then pipe those results into the GNU assembler uh, and then uh, manually link it all together using actually the linker driver in the normal base version of, uh, of the C compiler. In addition, Kefir fails uh, to compile emacs.c and misc.c with some interesting error messages. Uh, failed to compile expression value shall be assigned uh, to function parameter type. Uh, this is why the build script above has the systemc compiler build those two files instead. Uh, so comparing the compilers, let's do the fun bit of comparing the generated code size. To be clear, neither compiler is currently optimizing uh, at all, so we should not expect numbers anywhere near that you get from Clang or GCC. So with Chibik, we had about 750Ks of text, 40K of data, 29K of, of BSS, uh, and then... At Kefir, the text was 2.3 megabytes. The data was only 12K instead of 40K, and the VSS was 30K, about the same. Uh, but yeah, the binary was quite a bit bigger, like 2.4 megs versus 800K. Uh, so remember, too, that two of the source files in the Kefir build were also compiled with Clang. Uh, so that actually brings the number down somewhat because uh, they were optimized. So hardly a surprise that both compilers bring up the rear end of the pack as far as the binary size. What is surprising is just how far apart uh, they are, with Kefir being massive compared to the other compilers. Uh, this is not inherently a bad thing. If the uh, code that Kefir produces is correct, then it's an amazing that one person was able to create a complete C17 compiler, uh, and it actually worked, and that fact should be celebrated. Having read a good bit on uh, the Kefir-generated assembly, it appears what's happening is that Kefir Runtime Library has a list of all the actions that the intermediate represented uh, intermediate representation can represent, uh, like push, pop, add, sub, etc. Then instead of translating from IR to assembly, what Kefir does is converts the IR into a sequence of jumps into the functions in the runtime library. Uh, so to better understand this, imagine a C program where the main function was put s hello, uh, Kefir would actually jump into a bunch of its functions to perform the bits instead of just doing the assembly directly. So the functions like Kefir RT push implementation and you know Kefir RT extended uh, and pop implementation, etc., are all in the runtime library and won't be written out in the assembled file. 
under the hood, Kafir is using the RBX um, register uh, to keep track of where you are in the function and make indirect jumps to hop from instruction to instruction. For instructions, Kafir cannot possibly know in advance, like the calls. It does write those out as generated assembly, but at the same idea, it's just another address to jump to in a sequence of jumps. The fancy term for this is threaded code, and I recently learned that this was the way the old B compiler used to work. I'll admit it's not something I would have thought of, but it appears to work just fine. I tend to think of fourth when I think of code that works that way. In comparison, the assembly Chivik outputs is so uh, routine as to be boring, though it is exactly how it should be. So in conclusion, porting these compilers to OpenBSD was fun. Uh, these two small C compilers are complete enough to compile real software and demonstrate that there are myriad ways uh, to solve the same set of problems. That to me is what makes compilers and interpreters so interesting. There are so many ways to solve the same problem, and there are always something new to learn. If you'd like access to these unofficial ports, uh, there are links at the bottom of the article. Okay, nice work. Uh, then we found uh, something from NetBSD that they now have SSD trim support in NetBSD's head. That's the current version, not available right now in the release yet, but well, sooner or later. Uh, they write about this on unitedbsd.com. And here we go. Uh, solid state drives are complicated. Trim is an operation in the SATA command set that can be used to mark a specific block of a SSD unused, which helps the SSD retain good performance when large amounts of data have been deleted. It requires operating system support. macOS actually didn't support Trim for quite a long time, but there's at least some drives available in the wild that cope well with not being regularly trimmed. NetBSD 7, uh, 7.0 that is, added an fdiscard system call, which allows portions of a device or file to be trimmed. And a discard mount option for the FFS file system has also been available for some time. Uh, and discard, it is an extract from the man page. Uh, so that uses discard and trim commands if the disk and the driver supported. So both need that, not just the disk or only the driver, both disk and driver. And there's a big experimental part. Negatively influences file system performance by increasing fragmentation, causes free block map inconsistency on unclean shutdown, and it and is incompatible with log. So if log option is also used, that's a different option, uh, discard is automatically disabled. So they, uh, you can never have both at this point. Yeah. Uh, the interesting one they know here is the state of the art has changed over the years with various SSD manufacturers now recommending occasional routine use of the trim command rather than, uh, you know, the discard mount flag and, and deleting things as they get deleted. Uh, I've found that it really depends on the individual SSD. Some SSDs will perform like crap unless you're trimming them constantly, uh, like the discard option. Some SSDs uh, will perform very poorly if you're doing it all the time because they're they're they take the trim command very seriously and they like go off and do a bunch of work every time you issue one. Uh, and there are some SSDs where, yeah, the performance will degrade if you don't do it occasionally. And there's some SSDs that just ignore the trim when you tell it. And so you're wasting your time and your IOPS doing it. So it really depends on the SSD, whether you want to kind of be doing it all the time, just occasionally or never. Yeah. Is that uh, even... Yeah. Is that even for different SSDs from the same vendor, or are they um, all... I'm not so sure about that. Uh, I could possibly with different lines, like a server class SSD is probably quite a bit different than mm. your Desktop. home class SSD, even if they're from the same manufacturer. <laughs> yeah. um, so that's why, like in ZFS, we have there's the auto trim um, property on the pool that you can turn on, or you can just 
manually do z-pool trim like you would a scrub like once a month or something uh where it will just go through and any space flagged as free space will get trimmed in bulk and yeah it really depends on the individual discs you have how important it is to do that or which which of the different options is the best mm. okay so back in february uh mrg at netbsd uh committed a tool called blk discard uh that utilizes that FGCR system call to be able to trim a device. Uh, so the WD disk driver, which is your SATA-ish drives, and the DK disk driver, which is your GPD partitions, uh, and the LD disk driver all support FDiscard. Um, CGD, that's their cryptographic device driver, does not yet support FDiscard. Um, and before reinstalling NetBSD, it's now uh, possible to drop to a shell and trim a complete drive to initialize it before you do the initial write. So you can do BLK discard on the whole drive before you uh, put the file system on it so that you know it's a good shape. Whereas I think on FreeBSD with UFS, you can do that as part of NewFS possibly. And I know that FSCK has an option to go and trim all the free space uh, so that you can do that occasionally as well. Yeah, they do the same. Yeah. <laughs> And they note, uh, if, if, uh, you know, you have a file system and you need to trim it, uh, but the file system doesn't support it, uh, quite properly, um, that one option would be to make a big file of dev zero, uh, that fills up all the free space and then be okay to discard that file. Mm. Yep. So this is the, although other, that is doing way. basically twice as much work, but it is, uh, I've done that before as well. Uh, sometimes even just, uh, like a, if a VM image didn't support um, trim, I would create the big zero file on it, and then that would cause the file underneath to become more compressible, uh, or for ZFS to to include all the things and turn it into. Oh holes. yes, I saw that to get a big virtual box image uh, smaller. Yeah, I used that with the I think it's virtual vbox manage dash convert or compress and then you can do this kind of thing if you have a big file that right uh, but uh, i think in my case it was just in the guest os just manually writing out the big file of zeros so that the disk image underneath would then be compressible or zfs would compress it for me yeah the zeros are better compressed than random data yeah small tricks like that <laughs> okay so good to hear that netbsd is also in the trim space and uh, we have uh, more support there. Uh, so at this point, we would go into feedback and questions. But, well, not so much. Low. <laughs> We're running low again. But uh, we hope we get more. Uh, if you want to send us feedback and questions for this part of the show, send it to feedbackandbsdnow.tv. And so typically, JT would put something in here, like Benedict should tell a story, or Alan should read his uh, first sector of each disc but um <laughs> whatever uh we can... we've already filled up this episode so we're yeah. good to sign off <laughs> and we will see you next week yep fresh and new <laughs>